She kind of sat me down and she said, I don't want you to be frightened, but we found a very large mass in your chest. I had a very rare, aggressive form of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. You have a lot more power than you think. And that just became clearer to me and empowered me even more in my recovery. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us in more than 130 countries around the world. Barcelona, Spain, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and Los Angeles, California, where more people listen to the exam room than any other city in the U.S. We appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 30 of season 5, number 329 overall. And today, we will be learning about five foods that can fight cancer. And we're going to be learning about them from a woman who, in addition to being a delicious plant-based chef herself, is also a cancer survivor. You see, what she thought at first was just a bad cold spiraled quickly. And it ultimately became a shocking diagnosis. Especially because she prided herself in her health up to that point. So today, Lauren Kretzer will be joining us, sharing her story of powering past cancer. And now you heard her say this at the top, even though she was doing all the right things and still got diagnosed, she believes now more than ever in the power of prevention, the power of nutrition that can tip the scales of health back in your favor. And here's the other thing too. What we know is that eating a healthy diet and living a healthy lifestyle, they are not only good for helping to prevent cancer, but they can significantly increase your chance of survival and going on to live a long and healthy life should you find yourself in the battle. So today, Lauren's story is going to lift you up emotionally and then we're also going to lift up your nutrition knowledge as well because she will be raising your health IQ with five foods that fight cancer. Lauren, thank you so very much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. That was quite the uh, the introduction. I'm flattered. <laughs> well, it's true. I, it's It's so good to see you again. I feel like it has been an eternity since you've been on the exam room. It has. It's been a few years. So a lot has happened since then, globally, personally. So I know. Let's let's dive into what you have been up to before we unveil those five foods. Um, I know that since you have last been on the show, uh, you, as you just said, have been through a lot. And that includes uh, a cancer scare of your own. So kind of bring the audience up to date with what's been going on with you. Yeah, so I've talked a little bit about this on my channels, but basically a few years ago, I had what I thought was a cold, um, a bad cold. And at the time, my daughter was an infant. So I was up all night with her, uh, just basically, you know, whenever she would wake up needing to eat. Um, and so I was pretty run down and just kind of feeling like, you know, my exhaustion was due to having a young baby and a toddler. And that's why I wasn't kind of getting over this cold that I had. Um, but the cold persisted for weeks and sometimes the symptoms were fairly severe. So at the urging of my family, I finally got myself over to urgent care on a Saturday, just kind of expecting them to, you know, send me home with a prescription for something. Um, 
and then I'd be on my way to feeling better. But um, after the uh, physician there saw me, she said she suspected pneumonia and she wanted to take a chest x-ray and just kind of trying to avoid x-rays, you know, unless absolutely necessary, I kind of asked if I could just bypass it. And she said that, no, we really need the x-ray because uh, the type of meds we will give you will depend on that. So I submitted to the x-ray and um, when they gave, came back in the room, she kind of sat me down and she said, I don't want you to be frightened, but we found a very large mass in your chest and we need you to get to a hospital today um, to have a CAT scan done and get that checked out. So from then on, it was a whirlwind few months of testing. Um, basically all I heard from November of 2019 until basically pathology came back from my surgery was that this thing was huge. It was 12 centimeters. So about the size of a grapefruit. Um, it was abutting my heart. Um, so in my chest cavity and, um, no one really knew what it was. So they said that it had some characteristics that could be benign, but it also had some suspicious characteristics that were showing up in PET scans and MRIs and things like that. So they recommended surgical resection. So in March of 2020, just a few days before COVID kind of went wild and shut down the world, I had <clears throat> surgery to remove it. Um, I was not a candidate for minimally invasive surgery, so they had to do a full open thoracotomy and remove the cyst. Um, so it did turn out to be a benign thymic cyst. Um, but my surgeon, um, in his wisdom, took out my thymus gland, which is something that you don't really need once you're an adult. Um, so he took it out just in case, you know, something was up. And um, when I first met with him in my post-surgical appointment, he told me that they couldn't figure out what was wrong with it, but something was, was up. So it had been sent over to Memorial Sloan Kettering for further evaluation. At that point, I kind of knew that there was a possibility of cancer. But since I didn't feel sick, I never felt sick other than the pneumonia, um, you know, I tried to stay optimistic. And then in early April of 2020, I got a call saying that I had a very rare, aggressive form of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, so that kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. And, uh, you know, ever since then, I've been kind of dealing with it on and off. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's the long winding story. That's the Reader's Digest version. <laughs> Well, if that's the Reader's Digest version, I mean, I'm not sure that I could handle the uh, the full blown text. <laughs> um, so, I mean, when you get that that phone call in April and they're telling you, like, uh oh, uh, we have ourselves a problem here. Um, what runs through your head? Because as long as I've known you, and as much as I know about you, you have always been an exceptionally healthy human being. Yeah. And yet you're getting this news. How did that sit with you? Yeah, it was really hard. I mean, there was a lot of disbelief. Um, I'm going to be honest, in the beginning, and anger, you know, kind of feeling like I had done so many things right. And so, you know, why was this happening? And um, a certain amount of shame, if I'm being honest, because again, you know, you eat a certain way and you kind of preach the benefits of a certain lifestyle and then, whoops, I have cancer. Um, but, you know, obviously since then, I've done a lot of reflection and also a lot of research and, you know, many things can cause cancer, some of which are not in our control. Um, there's strong environmental links to the kind of cancer that I was diagnosed with, you know, use of um, Roundup and things like that. So for all I know, I was breathing that for years and who knows, maybe that's what caused it. Um, things like stress, you know, it kind of forced me to re-examine my life from every angle. 
um, which was one of the huge benefits. You know, they say every cloud has a silver lining. And that was certainly the one for me that I kind of just got to examine everything that went on in my life and determine what could have caused this and work on that. I love the way that you put that. I think that it's so important to, you know, stress that in particular, when it comes to diet, you always hear our experts on the show use the term lower your risk by whatever mm -hmm. the percentage may be. There is unfortunately and sadly really no magic cure for things or, or no silver bullet that would prevent something 100%. All we can do is severely or severely, like really fantastically lower our risk for so many of these chronic diseases. But there mm -hmm. are external factors like you were just uh, mentioning that have literally nothing to do with nutrition that can still play a huge part in that. And mm -hmm. I am sorry that you felt that shame. And I imagine that you felt it uh, especially hard because of the circles that you run in, you know, right. what you do for a living. You are in the whole food plant-based community. You are a prominent, prominent figure in it. And so I, I completely understand why you would feel that shame. Um, but here we are now two years later as we record this. And, uh, you know, I hope that you're at a point now where you realize that there is no shame to be had here, right? This was right. not your fault. This was just, you got dealt a raw hand. Right, right. Yeah. And I mean, that's basically you know, what I've come to realize that things happen to people and the statistics that you mentioned about lowering risk, you know, they're certainly true. Um, but they're not a promise, as I've said before, um, you know, on my channels, when I've talked about this, they're not a guarantee. And so we just have to do our best, you know, with our diet, with our lifestyle, with everything that we can control to lower that risk. And I think that's really empowering, you know, like you can do things and you have a lot more power than you think. And that just became clearer and clearer to me and empowered me even more in my recovery from everything. Um, it just kind of made me believe even more in the whole food plant-based way of living rather than deter me from it. Because when I started reading stories of other people who were diagnosed and recovered and, you know, using certain tools and dietary uh, changes, you know, it really got me excited. I'm like, Oh my God, this isn't, you know, a done deal. I can still make changes because, you know, my diet was not perfect. No one's diet's perfect, but my diet did have things going on that, you know, I could have improved. And that's what I've been working on the last few years. I love your optimistic out, uh, outlook on this. Uh, that's fantastic. Um, so we, we do have those cancer fighting foods we're going to talk about here in just a moment, but mm -hmm. I, I, I feel like I, I want a little bit more to that Reader's Digest story here. So uh, when last we left off, it was April of 2020. You had just mm -hmm. gotten that news. So what happens after that report comes back? So my surgeon and I had a conversation and he was very optimistic. Thankfully, even though the cancer that I was diagnosed with is rare and aggressive, it thankfully has a high cure rate. So he told me that in all likelihood I would be okay, but that, you know, I needed to see an oncologist, you know, right away. So <clears throat> I met with an oncologist at the hospital where I had received my surgery. It's a, you know, the number one hospital in my state. So I felt comfortable um, and spoke with him, but my surgeon had told me, you know, seek outside opinions just to be safe. You know, you just want to cover all your bases. So since I, tr I trust my surgeon so much, I decided to do just that. So I followed up with more oncologists at a renowned, like a globally renowned um, cancer hospital. And they immediately told me that, you know, I had to start a pretty intensive chemotherapy regimen. And I was kind of um, shocked to hear that just because there, 
there was really, they had removed the organ or the, the glands that had the cancer on it. And based on, you know, other testing, there was no visible cancer in my body. And so I was kind of like, you know, thinking, why am I going to go through treatment? There's no, there's no cancer in my body right now. And they explained, you know, microscopic cancer can exist. And since it's aggressive, it can form a tumor fairly quickly. And we want to kind of nip it in the bud. And so they did more testing on me. I went through another PET scan and like still no sign of cancer. And so I, you know, was like basically pleading with them to give me permission to not, you know, go through the chemo. And they told me that they were going to present my case to something called the tumor board, where every week a group of doctors meets to discuss cases and decide on best treatment. And so I was kind of holding my breath for this uh, tumor board and they came back and they all agreed I needed chemo. Um, you know, I'm relatively young. I have two really small children at the time. My youngest was literally a baby. Um, and my oldest was only, you know, she was a toddler. And the thought of going through treatment, you know, and the physical and emotional toll it would have and, you know, chemo, while it's life saving for a lot of people, it comes with its own pretty significant set of risks. So I only wanted to go through treatment, if it was like 300% necessary. And so I went back to the original doctor um, that I saw at my hospital and kind of explained everything to him. And he basically said to me that it depended on how risk averse I was. He said that there was a, an excellent chance that the surgery was curative, but that he could not make a, a guarantee to me. And so he said, if you want, I would give you my blessing to basically do constant surveillance on you. So I went in to him every few months and we did full blood work and CAT scans. And it was a lot more scanning than I really would have ever wanted. But to me, it was like the lesser evil. Um, and basically I agreed that at the first sign of cancer, I would go right into treatment, you know, no ifs, ands, or buts. Um, and thankfully uh, I'm two years out and so far so good. I continue to be monitored. Um, you know, I went as recently as like a month ago and I'm going back uh, in a couple months. So um, I've just been under his care and careful surveillance since then. Outstanding. And I love the way that you approach this, right? So you are working with your physician and mm -hmm. you said, look, you know, if the cancer does begin to pop up, then we'll go into treatment. Um, mm -hmm. so it's not like you just kind of went rogue and, and decided like, I'm not going to get scans. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. It's, it's like, you really did take the, uh, what I would say was a really solid approach. Like it was really well thought out. And I can't imagine that you would approach anything willy nilly, especially given the fact that you have two so young children in your right. household, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they were obviously first and foremost in my decision-making process and, this was not about me. It was about making sure that they have their mom. And so, you know, it wasn't something that I just kind of knee jerk decided I'm not getting treatment. And I wasn't, you know, being, um, you know, at, at all uh, cavalier about it. You know, I've seen chemo save lives. And, you know, I'm not one to think that I'm any exception from needing it. It's just I think if my cancer had been a different stage, you know, I was lucky that it was stage one. And I think if it had been a more deadly cancer, I probably would have considered getting the chemo. But since this cancer has a high cure rate, and since there was no visible cancer in my body afterward, I just kind of took that risk and I recognize it was a risk, but so far so good. My heart just goes out to Lauren. Really anybody in that position, you know, a young mother absolutely blindsided by this cancer diagnosis. But what I love about Lauren 
is that her fight never wavered. She was always swinging healthy punches that wound up KOing cancer in a big way. And so that is why Lauren Kretzer is on the program today and is such an inspiration. And we have more to come with her in just a minute. We're going to get her five favorite cancer-fighting foods, all of which have been backed up with plenty of research that you can sink your teeth into and feel good about knowing that you are putting the power of prevention right on your plate. But first, I want to take a minute to tell you about one of the biggest nutrition conferences of the entire year, the International Conference on Nutrition and Medicine. And we are back in person this year. I'm so excited about this. August 18th through the 20th, the Physicians Committee's International Conference on Nutrition and Medicine. We're going to be hosting it in Washington, D.C. And joining us this year are more than 30 speakers who will be presenting the latest nutrition research to raise your health IQ higher than ever before. And oh, by the way, the food that you'll eat over these three days is fantastic. But the food, that's just one part of it. Why you're really coming is for that sweet nutrition knowledge. So here is the lineup. Here are some of the speakers. Dr. Neil Barnard will be presenting, Dr. Dean Ornish will be there, Dr. Kim Williams, Dr. Alan Desmond will be joining us, plus our friends Cyrus Kambata and Robbie Barbero from Mastering Diabetes, Dr. Sarai Stancic will be there, as will the vegan roadie Dustin Harder, and so many others. Plus, I'm going to be recording episodes of The Exam Room all three days, and I would love for you to be there with us in person. So pcrm.org slash ICNM is the place to go for complete details and to register. Save your seat because space is limited and the seats are going fast. So special rates are available right now for students, Food for Life instructors, and even some health professionals. Plus, continuing education credits are available as well. So pcrm.org slash ICNM to reserve your space. Seats are going fast, so do that today. You can click the link right now in the episode notes. Let's learn five cancer-fighting foods from a cancer fighter herself. Time to continue this amazing conversation with Lauren Kretzer. As you said a little bit earlier, you go through all of this and you're an even bigger believer in taking care of yourself, going the preventative route, doing everything that you can to reduce the risk of cancer. So uh, again, I mean, if you're, all of your chips weren't already in the middle of the table, if you hadn't already gone all in with the whole food plant-based diet, certainly you are there now. And that's why I'm super stoked, uh, Lauren, for today, because not only did we get an opportunity to hear your amazing story, which I think is going to resonate with a large number of the exam roomies, um, but you're also going to help us learn about those five foods that you have identified that are really good quality cancer fighters. So uh, you ready to, to dive into that with us? Yeah, definitely. All right. Let's start with number one on the list, cruciferous vegetables. So when we're talking about cruciferous vegetables, number one, what vegetables are they? And number two, how are they helping? So cruciferous vegetables are my number one, just because they're so readily available in every supermarket in America. It doesn't really matter if you live in a city like New York or Los Angeles or somewhere in the middle of the United States or elsewhere, chances are you have 
cruciferous vegetables at your local supermarket. Um, and there's a lot of them. So the most common are broccoli, cauliflower, kale, but also arugula, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, bok choy, collard greens, watercress, radishes, turnip greens. That's just, you know, a, the, the most common ones that you'll find. And they have incredible cancer fighting uh, properties. And so I included them on this list because you can get so much bang for your buck nutritionally. Uh, they're not all that expensive. Um, even though organic vegetables are pricier, you don't need it to be organic to get the benefits of cruciferous veggies. So um, yeah, that's why I was excited about this one, just because of the availability to most people. I'm a huge fan of Brussels sprouts in particular. So the fact that you mentioned them uh, specifically, like makes me really happy because not <laughs> a day goes by that I don't eat roasted Brussels sprouts. Like those are my jam. You yeah. know, are, are you a Brussels sprout, a Brussels sprout fan? Oh yeah. Um, I love all the crucifers and that's why they were my number one. They're a personal favorite of mine and they're so hearty. Like you really have to chew. So if you're not including meat in your diet and you're new to a plant-based diet, they're very satisfying because they're not the kind of things that you just kind of inhale you kind of have to, they really give you that satisfaction when you're eating them. And there's so many different ways to enjoy them. Like you said, you enjoy roasted Brussels sprouts, but there's so many ways to have them raw, cooked, roasted, you know, sauteed, air fried. Um, but the biggest benefits come from eating them raw, actually. Mm. So they, they contain this compound called sulforaphane, which is a mega anti-cancer compound. But sulforaphane can't be activated unless um, this enzyme called myrosinase is activated. And basically myrosinase um, doesn't become activated when it's cooked. But there's a few hacks to get around that. So just, you know, first and foremost, try to include some raw crucifers in your diet. And it's fairly easy if you like salads. You can just finely chop up um, kale or cabbage or even Brussels sprouts, shred them, throw them in your salad. They don't even have to be the sole base of your salad, just part of it. Um, things like radishes, finely chopped raw cauliflower, like throw that all in your salad or in your wrap or in your grain bowl, um, you know, just some raw component, which I advocate for anyway. Um, I think, you know, some of the nutrients in vegetables are diminished when they're cooked. So it's always nice to have a raw component to your meal. But if you are cooking your veggies, um, there's two ways to kind of circumvent the deactivation of morosinase. Um, one is to chop your vegetables and just let them sit on the cutting board for about 30 to 40 minutes before you cook them. And just chopping them and letting them sit does activate that enzyme so the sulforaphane can be formed. So that's hack number one. And hack number two is to use ground mustard powder. So, you know, you can buy this on any spice rack um, in the grocery store, just mustard seed powder, ground mustard seed. Um, it tastes just like mustard. And you just want to sprinkle a very small amount of it on your cooked vegetables. And that will, that contains morosinase. So that will activate the sulforaphane as well. So those two ways are ways to kind of circumvent that. Um, frozen vegetables, um, you can also use, but they've been, you know, usually blanched. So like flash cooked before they're frozen. So if you're going to be using frozen veggies, um, the chop and wait method won't work, but you can add the mustard powder on it. And that will allow you to absorb all those valuable anti-cancer nutrients. Kitchen science. Like that's, that is so <laughs> cool to me that you chop up a vegetable, let it breathe. And that activates it like that. I would have never thought about that. Like literally never in a million gajillion years would I have thought that by chopping a vegetable and letting it breathe, this cancer fighting compound would just spring to life. Like that is the 
coolest, like the wickedest, most cool thing ever. Like, thank you. Uh, I have yeah, no is. idea. And it's nice because if you're short on time, you can kind of use that as like a meal prep, you know, thing too. So just chop your broccoli or whatever in the morning. And then when you're ready to cook your dinner, you've not only saved time by doing your chopping, but you've activated all those valuable compounds. That is super cool. You know what yeah. we're a fan of here in my house is garlic. And so when this popped up on the list as well, I was like, hot diggity, here we go. <laughs> and like, I'm it, like, I eat, like, I'm one of those people, Lauren, that does not treat hummus like a dip. Like to me, hummus <laughs> should be its own food group. Totally, it's, with a spoon. It, exactly, <laughs> right? You definitely want to go the soup route with your hummus. Um, so, and my hummus always has a lot of garlic in it. I love, love, love me some garlic. And so you're saying here today that garlic, this is another cancer fighter that you want in your diet. Yeah. I mean, I was so excited to read about the anti-cancer properties of garlic because I'm half Italian. So garlic is going through my blood as we speak. <laughs> and it's just such an incredible food. First of all, I mean, cancer aside, it's amazing for immunity. So right now, everyone's interested in boosting their immunity with COVID and everything else going on in the world. Just add some garlic into your diet. And immunity, of course, is related to fighting cancer cells as well, um, you know, which is something that I personally didn't make the connection with, you know, stupidly, I guess, like you think of immunity, you think of the common cold, COVID, the flu, you don't really think that your immune system is working to fight off cancer cells, but it is. Um, and so a lot of us have, you know, baby cancer cells in our body that never grow into tumors because our immune systems are working so hard to get rid of them. And so that's why garlic is such a huge um, thing to add to your diet. And it's so easy to add to your diet. I mean, it will be shelf stable forever in a cool, dark place. It's again, available at pretty much every single supermarket. Um, it's not expensive and it tastes great. So most people love garlic and um, you don't really need a lot of it. So just add it into one meal a day. Um, raw is a, a little better, but cooked is also valuable um, in terms of its nutritional properties. And it helps with detoxifying carcinogens, halting cancer cell growth, um, blocking angiogenesis. So angiogenesis is when it's the formation of new blood vessels for tumors. And so we want to stop that so the tumors can't grow. And garlic helps out with that. So it's got quite a few impressive um, uh, nutritional uh, boosters in terms of beating cancer. You know, I'm a, I'm a fan of just taking fresh garlic, crushing it. You know, you got one of those things, you just squeeze it and it just, you know, crushes it right there for you. I'll put that in a salad for a little bit of zest, just, yeah. just the one clove, because I think that if you, if you go above that, uh, mm -hmm. it, it's a little bit too zesty right. in my opinion. <laughs> uh, but, but as you said, I mean, it's, it's super easy to do. And I would think, you know, especially if you're adding it to a salad, which yeah. has cruciferous vegetables in it as right. well, you add the garlic on top of that, man, you're, you're living large at that point, right? Yeah. And that's something that I incorporated right away when I decided to, you know, try to stave off cancer on my own is I started making these giant cancer fighting salads and the raw garlic was a component. Like you said, I would have all my finely shredded cruciferous veggies. And then I would just take a microplane, which is like a mini rasp grater. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it lots of places online. It's similar to a garlic press and it just basically uh, finely grates your garlic almost into a pulp. And so I would put that on my salad and just massage it in with like a quarter of an avocado and some lemon juice in lieu of dressing. And it's so delicious. And the, uh, the crucifers get like nice and tender and it just really, it's really yummy. I'm a big fan. Have you made a pizza and just put like a garlic clove on there, roasted garlic cloves on top of the pizza? Have you tried that yet? That is heavenly. I haven't. I have to try that. I'm a big pizza person. So I'll yeah. Have to try so that out. 
if you like garlic and you like pizza and you know maybe your partner isn't exactly offended by garlic <laughs> breath like go for it absolutely if you cancel each other out as my <laughs> husband and i do and there's one more thing about garlic i wanted to mention in terms of cancer it's really um, great to eat if you are looking to protect your body against radiation damage. So a lot of cancer patients are, of course, going through radiation treatment. And even if you're not going through radiation treatment, you've probably been subjected to lots of uh, scans. So CAT scans and PET scans, unfortunately, come with a lot of radiation. So just detoxifying from that, having a lot of garlic helps. Garlic for the win. All right. Yeah. Now, I, I also like this, especially with my breakfast breakfast berries so good especially like on top of oatmeal i love throwing all kinds of berries in my oatmeal in the morning it made your list another thing that made me majorly happy so what's up with berries and fighting cancer yeah so berries are the healthiest fruit and they're second only to herbs and spices in terms of their antioxidant content and antioxidants are just superstars in keeping us healthy. Um, berries help reduce inflammation. Inflammation is pretty much linked to everything bad um, that can happen to you, including cancer. So we always want to try to keep inflammation down and berries help with that. Um, they are just like chock full of nutrients and vitamins. So they just keep your body humming along really nicely. But um, aside from reducing inflammation, they also prevent DNA damage and they also prevent the tumor angiogenesis, which I mentioned before, the formation of new blood vessels for cancer to grow spread so they can help prevent that. Um, and berries, again, are just widely available. Um, frozen berries are available year round. They're far cheaper than their fresh counterpart, and they're just as good for you. So berries can be incorporated into all types of foods, mostly sweet, but of course, savory um, occasionally as well. And then there's one type of berry, well, two types of berries that I want to um, single out. Um, first of all, out of all the berries that you commonly found at supermarkets, um, they're all good for you, but blackberries are the highest in antioxidants out of all of them. So try to incorporate blackberries into your diet when possible. And the other one I wanted to mention is a berry that you've probably never seen before, possibly never heard of before, and it's the Indian gooseberry, and it goes by the name Amla. And Amla is, I'm pretty sure it's the single highest antioxidant food in existence. Um, it's got this like very interesting sour taste to it. Um, I've never personally found it fresh or frozen, but they do sell Amla powder online um, pretty much everywhere. And you only need a tiny bit. So like a half a teaspoon in your smoothie. Um, you could even like mix it into water and chug it if you wanted to. But that's going to give you a mega antioxidant boost, like far more than you would get with any other food. So just like one little half a teaspoon will double the antioxidants that you would find in like, say, a blueberry. Um, so that's something that I always add in uh, to to my smoothies just because it's so powerful. I hate to burst your bubble, but you are actually not the first person to bring up Amla or the Indian oh, okay. gooseberry on the show. Cyrus and uh, Robbie from Mastering Diabetes are big fans of it. Um, I mean, big, 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 big fans. And I'm like you. I can't find a fresh one to save my life yeah. right now. Uh, but the powder, as you said, is readily available. Um, and to your point about frozen berries, absolutely. Um, yeah. Love going to Costco for this very reason is, I mean, you get these ginormous bags of frozen blueberries. Mm -hmm. um, um, and I've got like two or three of them right now in my freezer downstairs. Uh, uh, as you said, uh, blackberries, strawberries are down there as well. And, and so mm -hmm. it's like whatever you want to put in that smoothie that particular day, you can get your hands on any time of year. Um, random question. Yeah. Blackberries, like I, I have to put them in the smoothie because 
it 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 drives me up the wall when I eat the fresh ones and then the seeds kind of get stuck in the <laughs> like I don't know any way around that. Have you I discovered don't. anything? I haven't. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. <laughs> I like blackberries, seeds and all. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're so good for you. And like you said, frozen blueberries, especially if you can find the wild blueberries, um, there's a brand that sells Maine wild blueberries, and those may have even more antioxidants than your standard um, high bush blueberry. So any berry will, will do the trick. I mean, they're all good for you. So not only blueberries, strawberries, cherries, cranberries, um, you know, there's so many to choose from. And um, if you can get the gooseberry powder, the alma powder, you're just, you know, bringing it up another level. But I mean, when you think of the cancer fighting power of a smoothie, you know, with some of this stuff in it. So I, like I said, one teaspoon of this alma, I think has something like 750 antioxidant units. And then compare that to, I think it's like uh, a bagel, I think has 20 antioxidant units. So you know, these two things, both are plant-based. One of them is going to help you fight disease. The other is not going to do too much for you. So definitely go for the berries when you can. Absolutely. And in a smoothie, mix it with your cruciferous vegetables. That's right. So easy, right? I don't know about the garlic in a smoothie with those things, no. berries and garlic together. Eh, no. a little Maybe in a salad though, if you make a salad with a garlic dressing. I can see that with like yeah. strawberries in particular, yeah. get a little bit warmer. You get the fresh strawberries. That sounds yeah. pretty good. That sounds pretty, pretty good. I like where your head's at. And I trust, I trust your suggestions, your recommendations um, because well, you are a recipe developer and a chef after all. All right. Number four, I have a big old, big old bowl of roasted mushrooms right now in the refrigerator. These two good for you. These two big cancer fighters. Talk mm -hmm. to us about mushrooms. So mushrooms are one of those foods that I, I just can't get enough of. And they range from the common white button mushroom to the uber fancy morals, uh, chanterelles, you know, all these fancy mushrooms that you might not be able to find at your supermarket. But if you do find them, definitely buy them, but they're all good for you. So the white button mushrooms are the most widely available. Again, I made this list trying to get foods that no one would really have trouble finding. Um, there was a large study done in China uh, relatively recently where they showed that just eating one white button mushroom a day, so the most like generic, common, cheap mushroom of them all, can help lower breast cancer risk by I think it was like 64% or 63% or something to, to that effect. So mushrooms have tons of compounds which are cancer fighters. And um, they're just so good. I mean, like if you're eating a plant-based diet, they really bring in that, you know, meatiness, that umami. Um, you can have them on their own as a side. You can incorporate them into stir fries, into grain bowls. You can even um, turn them into veggie burgers or vegan meatballs. I mean, I've seen mushrooms used in so many ways. One of my personal favorites is just to take shiitake mushrooms, um, put a little bit of tamari on them, a little bit of smoked paprika, and you bake them in the oven for... I forget how long, like 20 minutes-ish, maybe a little longer. And they turn into kind of like a bacony texture. And that just goes on everything for me. So um, I love mushrooms. I especially love mushrooms ever since my cancer diagnosis. Now I feel like I have to eat a lot of them. Um, so yeah, if you can incorporate them into your diet daily, you don't need a lot. Like I said, one button mushroom a day in that study was shown to re drastically reduce breast cancer risk. 
Outstanding. And uh, we've been talking recently about how powerful they can be as far as your mind, the health of your brain and helping mm -hmm. to stave off cognitive impairment. I mean, right. so mushrooms are like little powerhouse foods. And mm -hmm. the fact that the white button mushroom is so can be so healthy is like, it, it just blows my mind because you're right. When you said it is literally the most generic mushroom out there, yeah. It literally is the most generic <laughs> mushroom out there. It is, it is in every grocery store across America. Yeah. And it's because they contain something called an aromatase inhibitor, or it is an aromatase inhibitor, and that helps block the production of estrogen. So that's why I think it's been linked to reducing breast cancer risk. Um, at least that's what I've read. And so I think that's pretty exciting. And they also boost um, natural killer cell activity in our bodies. So that's something that, you know, we all want to work on with immunity, again, not only in, in terms of cancer, but COVID, you know, these little cells are working very hard to kill off anything dangerous, you know, that they deem dangerous in our bodies and cancer cells is one of those things that they're fighting against and mushrooms help bolster them essentially. Put those in the salad as well. I mean, yeah. you're doing pretty good. And then number five here, not so much of a food as it is a spice, right. turmeric or turmeric. Uh, as it said, which uh, are you a turmeric or a turmeric person? I'm a turmeric person. Outstanding. I like the <laughs> way you 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 speak. Uh, talk to us about this. What's what's so powerful as far as fighting cancer? Sure. So turmeric, even though you can't really find the root that easily, um, you can find the root at health food stores occasionally, but you can pretty much find the ground form uh, most anywhere. Um, so it's in your spice aisle. It's a beautiful, bright goldenrod orangey yellow color it will stain anything you put it on so <laughs> use it with caution um, but turmeric contains something called curcumin and curcumin is one of the most impressive anti-cancer things that I've personally read about and it's just so easy to add into food so turmeric is um, it's got like a slightly I don't even know how to describe it like a slightly spicy but not heat wise just kind of like a slightly spicy um, taste to it but it's relatively subtle if you use it in small amounts. So turmeric is the main spice in curry powder. So of course, if you like cooking with curry powder, you're probably getting a lot of turmeric in your diet already. But if you're not using curry, you can just take the single spice turmeric and just add like a quarter teaspoon, a half a teaspoon to your food. Um, it will change the color. But you know, if you're making a soup, I always throw it in soups. If you're making a salad dressing, put it in that. Um, I actually buy the whole root when I can find it and I um, leave it peeled and I freeze them. And when I'm ready to use it, I'll literally just like rinse it to essentially clean it off and throw it in my blender and blend it up to make a smoothie. Um, and it's one of those things that if you read about it, it's amazing that it hasn't been advertised more as an anti-cancer agent. Um, it's that powerful, but unfortunately it's not the kind of thing that we can patent and make money off of. So I think that's why it just hasn't been studied as extensively as it, as it should be. Um, but it's really incredible. And like I said, you can use it in so many different applications and it's relatively cheap, especially if you're buying the, the ground kind. Um, but even the whole route, I find them, um, the, the, the most cheaply at Asian grocery stores, um, they're usually available in the fresh produce aisle right next to the ginger. And, you know, they look like basically orange ginger and you just throw the whole thing in the freezer, like I said. And then when you're ready to use it, either put it in the blender or you can peel it and grate it up on the microplane, which I mentioned before, add it to your stir fries, to your green bowls, you know, all different ways. Yeah. And if it really does, you cook a dish and the, the turmeric has really changed its color. 
and you're serving it, you're nervous, like, what, what are people going to say? Why is this dish so yellow? Just call it golden, whatever it is, right? right. So if it's if it's like a golden pasta, like it's a pasta dish or whatever, just call it golden pasta, you know, <laughs> um, or golden rice, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And then suddenly it goes from like, what is this? To, ooh, that is gourmet right yeah. there. Yeah. 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 So a uh, big fan of that. And uh, lastly, we actually have a bonus here. And this one, really, we've talked about it on the show before, but we have to keep talking about it because the stigma still exists. It does, and yeah. your bonus one is soy. Talk to us. Yeah, I wanted to bring up soy if we had the time. And I'm glad we did, because like you said, there are so many misperceptions about soy, especially when it comes to breast cancer. I've seen breast cancer survivors, you know, say, I can't have that that edamame or I can't have that tofu and they genuinely think it's going to be giving them cancer. And, you know, I appreciate the fear behind those decisions because once you get a diagnosis, you want to do everything to stay away from it, but they're actually doing themselves unknowingly a big disservice because soy has actually been linked to uh, lower breast cancer recurrence. And it's also linked to preventing breast cancer in the first place. So when I say soy, I don't mean every single type of soy out there. I mean, generally whole, minimally processed soy products. So things like organic tofu, tempeh, um, unsweetened soy milk, edamame, these are the kinds of soy that you really want to be including in your diet. Um, studies have shown that children who start eating soy at a young age regularly have lower risk of developing breast cancer as an adult. Um, and those who start eating soy later in life the uh, the statistics aren't quite as impressive. I mean, it will still help you, but you know, soy from an early age is really great. And the type of um, I, I think it's like an estrogen uh, compound that's in soy is is different than the type of estrogen that our body produces. So that's why it does not have the negative effect that people think that it does. It's a it's a plant estrogen, and so it's not going to harm you. It'll actually help you. Um, so if you can include some soy in your diet, like I said, those minimally processed kinds. You want to stay away, generally speaking, from the ultra processed soy. So if you're seeing like soy isolate protein powders or um, some very popular commercially produced like veggie burgers, um, that's the kind of soy that that isn't linked to prevention of cancer. But tofu, tempeh, edamame, unsweetened soy milk, those are all foods that are very good for you. And gentlemen, uh, as Dr. Barnard and I point out every single time this comes up, it will not cause you to have enhancements on your chest, uh, shall we say. I promise you it will not do that whatsoever. Um, wow. That, Lauren, thank you so much for being here today. And thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, I really didn't know about your battle until kind of recently. And I'm just so thrilled um, that you're able to be here and you look as happy and as healthy as you are and you're working with your doctors. The numbers are all looking good. And yeah. I mean, really just, you're such an inspiration. And I, I really you. do think that a lot of viewers and, and the exam roomies today are, are feeling the same kind of way. So again, thank you so much for being here. Um, oh, thank and, you. oh, of course, of course. Now, listen, uh, you can get a whole lot more uh, from Lauren at her website, laurenkretzer.com. There's a link to that in the episode notes or in the show description. Follow her on Instagram, a must follow Lauren underscore Kretzer. Um, and then you were telling me right before the interview started, you have this new Substack uh, that you're really proud about. So first of all, what is the Substack? And second of all, what are you doing on said Substack? 
So yeah, I'm excited about it just because I feel I've kind of gathered so much knowledge about nutrition and cancer specifically since my diagnosis, but I've also always been interested in plant-based nutrition and obviously cooking forever. And like you, Chuck, I wanted to turn my knowledge and my personal experience into something good and to give knowledge to others. So Substack is a platform that I found that I'm excited about because it's kind of like the marriage of a newsletter and a blog. So basically you subscribe, it's um, very bare bones, it'll come right to your inbox, or you can just go to Substack and read it directly there if you want. Um, and that's where I basically indulge in all of my nerdy food, nutrition, holistic living, wellness, healing um, passions. I also like to travel. So now that we're getting back into travel, I plan on doing travel recaps with from a vegan perspective, of course. Um, and there's a free version where I give you all sorts of goodies, um, including recipes. And then there's a paid version, which is a very modest subscription price, and then you'll get access to even more stuff. And one of the paid posts, actually, is I gave my entire healing cancer protocol. So I went through every single supplement meal type of thing that I incorporated post diagnosis. Um, and I wrote all about it for my Substack subscribers. So you can find that post there too. Lauren Kretzer, thank you so very much for being here. Again, you're just the rock star of rock stars. So oh, uh, you. your your wisdom and your recipes and your story and your experience, I mean, really, please do continue doing exactly what it is that you are doing as far as putting this knowledge out there because the world needs more people like you. Thank you. And thank you for this amazing podcast and giving me the platform to, to reach so many of your awesome listeners. And I'm honored to be here again. There are links to subscribe to Lauren Substack right now in the episode notes. So go ahead and join her on this amazing journey and indulge in that nerdy nutrition knowledge as she likes to call it. You heard her say there's a free version available. So really, what do you have to lose? Go ahead and click that link. I love Lauren's story. It's a story about perseverance, never giving up. Just keep going. Even when you're shocked and you're knocked down, you're not out of the fight. So keep it up. Keep on learning and do everything you can do to bring health back on your side. And we also have a great event coming up, April 24th, that can help you out with that as well. It is one of the largest veg fests in the Washington, D.C. area, the Fairfax Veg Fest in Herndon, Virginia, just outside of the nation's capital. I'm going to be emceeing that day, Sunday, April 24th. Would love to see you there. Here's who will be joining me on stage. Dr. Neil Barnard, he will be there in person, as will Dr. Jim Loomis, Dr. Baxter Montgomery, T. Colin Campbell, Gwen Whitaker from Green Fair Organic Cafe and Restaurant, and so many others at the Fairfax Veg Fest, Sunday, April 24th. Would love to see you there. Go ahead, learn all about this at Fairfax Veg Fest. Dot org or click the link in the episode notes. And one final favor to ask of you today. Think about this. Think about all of the many tens of millions of people who will be diagnosed with cancer this year around the world. How many of them actually know how important diet can be? I'd venture to say not nearly enough. And so what we want to do is to put that knowledge right in the palm of their hand, or in this case, right in their ear. And the easiest way you can do that to help bring this knowledge to them 
is by subscribing to the Exam Room Podcast by the Physicians Committee on Apple Podcast or on Spotify, wherever shows are available. And when you subscribe, please also leave that five-star rating and a nice review. And as I always say, it has nothing to do with, ooh, we have this many subscribers. No, it doesn't have anything to do with that. It has to do with the fact that the more new subscribers we get, the more positive reviews we receive, the easier it becomes for those people who need this information to find it because the show just gets bumped a little bit higher in the health category and we want to get right to the top. So when somebody's searching for ways that they can improve their health, we want them to see the exam room right away. So if you could take a second to do that, we would greatly appreciate it. And for today, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to the extraordinary Lauren Kretzer for being here, inspiring us, and raising our health IQ. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember... As always, keep it plant-based.